0: Hello and welcome to a Carikinsu Podcast. Today we'll be interviewing Dr. Chris Montanaro and we're we'll discussing the use of isometrics in training and rehab. If you'd like to learn how to use isometrics in human performance optimization as well as rehabilitation, visit CaricInstitute.com. Hello, my name is Dr. Freddie Garcia. And today I'm your host for the Carikinsu Podcast. Uh, Today, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Chris Montanero from Syracuse, New York, and we're going to be discussing the use of isometrics. Dr. Montanero, are you there?
1: I am here. How are you today?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, We're going to be talking about isometrics and how to use them. Uh, But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, and kind of how you got into this?
1: I grew up in uh, a suburb of Syracuse, New York. Um, chiropractor, diplomate in applied kinesiology and in nutrition, and finished most of my coursework through the Carrick Institute as well. So, uh, I do a lot of teaching in the chiropractic profession. Um, you know, and then just getting started with isometrics was about 15 years ago, kind of a continuation of my athletic career playing basketball in college and listening to a interview between Tony Robbins and Pete Sisko. And most people know that Tony Robbins is one of those kind of guys that follows around the best of the best in the world, tries to cut down the, the learning time by learning from them. And uh, he was interviewing a guy named Pete Sisko, who was one of the leaders uh, in the world at that point in time in isometric uh, lifting. And they, really, they talked about some really amazing things when uh, a group of professional power lifters were you know, increasing their one rep and 10 rep maxes their traditional lifts by 28 percent and 35 percent respectively, uh, by doing these isometric lifts for 10 weeks, uh, which just were off the charts gains from what I had experienced in my athletic career. and to do it in a 10-week period of time really was, was very intriguing. Um, so that kind of started things off and, and adapted a lot of what they had used in my office with patients, and uh, it's kind of taken off since there since then.
0: That's incredible. So I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. Actually, I remember I've taken his courses several times. Had a huge impact on my life. And and you're right. Tony is one of those guys that loves to learn from the best and is kind of always looking for the you know for the shortcuts for improving himself and other people. So if Tony Robbins was talking about it, I'd probably be a little curious too. Um, so it, and I got to tell you, isometrics is a, a topic that's very near and dear to me uh, because we're actually involving in several courses that we're teaching at the Care Institute that I'm involved with. And I have an athletic background and training background myself. I've been, I've been training over half my life at this point. So it's, it's something I'm, I'm very eager to learn even more about from, from, the, from a guy like you who's kind of helping to push this stuff forward. What, can you uh, let our, our listeners know what, what is an isometric exercise? Like, what are we really dealing with in case we've forgotten?
1: Isometric literally means same distance so you're not gonna be moving through a specific range of motion the range of motion is locked in a very specific uh, place in that range of motion and you're gonna be doing a lift from that position and not really moving anywhere so you're creating a massive amount of tension on the muscle without the movement
0: got it and is is that part of what makes isometrics so safe and while we're talking about safety Uh, Dr. Montanero, if I could ask you, what are the rules to training with isometrics? There's got to be some guidelines that we need to know when we use this stuff.
1: Absolutely. Well, in the office, from a patient uh, setting, most lifts are going to be roughly a 10-second period of time. Um, They're going to be all-out maximum lifts for what that person is capable of. So, you know, obviously, uh, an 18- or 19-year-old's maximum capacity is going to be different than a... 85 year old individual maximum capacity. So, you know, it's going to be tailored to what they can do. Um, and we'll put the range of motion typically in their strongest range of motion. Mm-hmm. And which is also where they're going to be the safest biomechanically, they're going to keep their joints and, and muscle tissue in the, their safest positions and, and not open, them, open themselves up to additional injuries. And isometrics typically have a lot more safety added in as well because you're not going to be dropping plates. You don't need spotters and, and things like uh, of that nature. So it just it becomes very very safe all the way around.
0: Is there a like a required warm up period for using isometrics? Because um, I know that you can get an incredible amount of tension, but uh, so in in your protocol, what are you doing for warming up?
1: Typically. With patients, I might have them squeeze the muscle that they're going to be training a couple of times, you know, 10 15 20% of their maximum just to get a little bit of blood flowing. Um, because you're not going through extreme ranges of motion, the, the necessity for a lot of warming up uh, from a patient standpoint is not really something that I, I, I do uh, to a significant level. Um, with some of my personal lifting, because I've been doing it for so long, and some of the lifts I'm doing are actually instead of the 10 second long lifts, I'm you know exceeding three minutes for some of them. I I, I do a lot more to kind of wake myself up and and really get my my blood blood pumping a little bit and my nervous system kind of ramped up and ready to go for such a, a a grueling three minute period of time.
0: Got it. All right, so some a light little warm up kind of gets you prepped and then you can go. Um, So I have a training background, like I was telling you, and I'm familiar with the concept of time under tension. Can you tell us what that is and how it matters to isometric training?
1: Yeah, uh, time under tension is literally going to be the time that your muscle is under some type of a load. Um, With traditional lifting, you might be doing a set of eight or 10 or 12 reps. If you're using a lot lighter weight, sometimes the number of reps go way up from there. Um, The beauty of isometrics with that time under tension, when you take the intensity level and drive it up to your maximum level, by definition, the time goes down significantly. And a great example of that is with Usain Bolt. You you can only keep up those maximum speeds for 10 or 15 seconds. Um, And because you're doing that, you're actually decreasing the metabolic demand and the, the damage to the muscle tissue, and it makes recovery a whole lot easier. You don't walk around for two weeks being really, really sore and just kind of feeling like garbage after, um, you know, like a lot of people getting started in a typical traditional weightlifting program where they're just really sore and don't really feel like lifting or doing much for a week or two afterwards.
0: So it seems like there's a lot of pluses to the use of isometrics from what I'm hearing.
1: Absolutely. I don't know at this point after doing it for 15 years if I would ever go back <laughs> to, to lifting in a more traditional way.
0: So do you still – do you complement your lifting, uh, your, your exercise style with the addition of more traditional stuff? Is it primarily isometric? Like what's a program look like? Let's say you're doing for athleticism. What does a program look like with sure. the use of isometrics?
1: The, the, the typical program would be 10 exercises uh, split up into two different workouts, an A workout and a B workout. Uh, A workout is typically more of your pushes, so a bench press, a tricep press, a leg press, a calf press, and then on the opposite side, the B workout would be more of your pulls, like a deadlift, a shoulder shrug, a lat pull, um, things of that nature. Um, So you you, you do those types of workouts, you get maximum strength gain, and this is where the beauty comes in is now you can go to do other submaximal things. Like if you're an endurance athlete and you're going to be biking and running and swimming, It doesn't have the same taxing level as, uh, you know, this type of a lift. So people are able to do that from a cardiovascular standpoint. Um, So, you know, that is a a really big benefit there. And for most sports, you know, now that frees up and, you know, you get your maximum strength gains in five to ten minutes a week, now you could spend the extra six to eight or ten hours working on sport-specific skills. If you're dribbling or shooting or, you know, whatever it's uh, most necessary for your individual sport.
0: You know, it's actually, that's fascinating to think about because from a time management perspective, you're right. If you can get your your gains, and I, and I can't help but think of that word with a Z at the end now because of the internet, if you're, get, <laughs> if you're getting your gains in, in so little time, so efficiently with the use of isometrics or maximal isometrics, that frees up more time for skill acquisition or repetition of fine-tuned work. That's... That should be exciting for those who are looking at the whole, you know, whole human
1: performance type model. Absolutely. And one of the questions that would then come up is you know, just how functional is that strength? Is it really utilizable in sport uh, being in a, a, a limited range of motion like an isometric? And I'd say absolutely it's capable of doing that. Um, when we talk about functional strength, just picture LeBron James going on a fast break squatting down so deep that his butt practically touches the ground and then jumping up and trying to dunk a basketball. It's completely ridiculous if you were to picture that. Um, you know, our, our functional strength with most sports specifically comes from a very specific range of motion, and a lot of people don't train that range of motion to its maximum ca- uh, capability. A perfect example, when I was at another chiropractic convention, um, there's an individual he played for the, as an NFL lineman with the Titans for four years. And if you looked at a side by side, you'd bet any amount of money in Vegas that he would outlift me and he couldn't outlift one of my lifts because he had never trained his high end capabilities. He had always worked on his full range of motion, which by definition means you have to pick a much lighter weight, typically half of the amount of weight that you could in your strongest range of motion which is where the gains come in if you're bench pressing with 400 pounds worth of strain on the muscle versus 200 pounds the body adapts so much more aggressively Hmm.
0: wow this is a lot to really think about this is cool though let's uh let's change the direction we're going a little bit let's talk about rehabilitation what are some of the applications on the rehabilitative side of things for the use of isometrics
1: I kind of see that in two different categories. One would be more of your typical chiropractic orthopedic type rehab. Um, Some of the benefits, you know, certainly massive strength gains. Um, But you can always the really neat thing is being able to adapt that into a particular range of motion that's most appropriate for the patient. Uh, You know, there might be certain ranges. You know, just for ease, picture somebody with more of a, a frozen shoulder and they can't lift their arm very well. And, and being able to do a certain lift. But at the lower range of motion, they might be able to do a certain lift. So they can still get an isometric contraction, fully fire all of the motor units and all of the muscle fibers that they are intending to and still get a lot of the gain without being in a lot of discomfort or causing other damage that they just can't handle at that point in time. Um, hmm. And then, you know, that's more from the ortho side, from the neuro rehab side. One of the things that we, we talk about so much is not exceeding somebody's metabolic capacity. Of course. And when you've got somebody who you, know, you can get that lift in, in a five or ten second period of time, you can really help a lot of people that they just could never even consider handling several reps or several sets of something in the same type of a way. Um, Or you even take in some of your neurodegenerative disorders where you'd be concerned about just completely fatiguing their system. You know, you take somebody with MS and you think that they just start wasting away from their nervous system, their muscular system starts wasting away, and now consider being able to get these maximum loads in just 10 seconds, not really challenging their metabolic capacity in a way that will be a hindrance to their health, and actually be able to put muscle on those people. Um, You know, the, the... the capabilities of something like that are just fantastic. And we talk a lot about um, vestibular systems and their balance capability. Um, obviously that's a major cause of death in the elderly is uh, their ability, lack of ability of having true balance and falling, having falls and uh, all of the other cascade of events that happen after that point. Um, so you be to be able to get, such huge loads on those muscles build a lot of proprioceptive capability and a lot of improvement in strength is, is really going to cross over into their everyday life and simple balance to walking up and down stairs and, and just, you know, lifting simple things and having a higher quality of life across the board.
0: Awesome. Well, listen, I know you're using isometrics a lot in your clinical practice. Can you let us know what type of patients you're using this with? What, who's coming to see you and, and applying these principles of
1: training? Absolutely. And one of the first things that comes to mind outside of the rehab portion of it, you know, just take somebody like your, your typical diabetic and having a hard time with blood sugar handling. You, know, you put on 5 to 10 pounds of muscle, which you could easily do in a 1 to 3-month period of time uh, with somebody. And now they've got a lot more metabolically active tissue on the body. They're burning mm-hmm. sugar more effectively. Just one example that I've got, the, uh, an individual... He actually came into my office the same day he was fired from his primary care physician's office, and it was also the same day he got his blood sugar level at 465. So he wasn't on medications, and he asked, he says, you know, is there anything that we can do? I really don't want to go on drugs, and I don't have a primary care doc anymore anyway. And we got started on the lifting program. He put on several pounds of muscle, and a month later, he was down uh, under 100 with his blood glucose levels. So, you know, it can make a massive impact on somebody from that perspective, Um, you know, from a hormonal perspective, especially when people are under a lot of stress or these ultra-endurance events that people are training for. It can really wreak havoc on their hormones, their growth hormone level, their testosterone levels. Mm -hmm. Um, With such short and massively intense type exercises, you can really have huge improvements in hormone profiles. And uh, one of my favorites, especially with the elderly population, is just simply Wolf's Law that we learn in chiropractic school. If you're going to put stress on a bone, just by definition, it has to go up in density. Um, so, you know, that really crosses over a lot. And, you know, seeing DEXA scans improving before and after um, with, with an elderly patient is, is certainly a lot of fun. And I've actually got several groups of people that are going through uh, a lot of DEXA scan testing before and after, which is, is certainly a lot of fun to see from the clinical standpoint.
0: So I, when you say elderly patients and strength training, you know, it's kind of one of those things that I think you're right. They should be doing that. How how old the patient have you used maximal isometric training
1: with just to the get an oldest, idea of how you're
0: applying it? Yeah,
1: The oldest I've had is in their 90s. Um, <laughs> That's my My, my oh. favorite example is an 82-year-old that was very out of shape and not somebody that I ever in a million years would have talked to going into a gym and getting a trainer and putting in several hours a week in the gym. Um, And, you know, just as a real quick example, her leg press in 12 weeks went from 237 pounds to 673 pounds. And she was able to do that with literally five minutes a week of isometrics in the office. She didn't have to change her, her clothes. She didn't have to do anything crazy. It was very simple and easy for her to do. She actually had a lot of fun doing it. It's kind of exciting seeing your numbers going up so drastically week after week. And it made all the difference in the world for her walking up and down stairs and just her daily life, lifting groceries and her balance capability. You know, It, it was life-changing for her in her 80s. Um, you know, it's, When people think that you can't put raw muscle on in your 70s and 80s and 90s, it's, it's usually because they're just not training properly and, and utilizing what the body is really capable of. Um and another patient who if you were to kind of put him into a category, you'd put him in the category of being a toothpick. Um he's forty five years old, not mm-hmm. you know, certainly past his testosterone prime and his whole life, even in undergrad, he was lifting a lot, taking weight gainers and he just couldn't put on weight. He's six four and he weighs, you know, one hundred and thirty five pounds. Um when he started lifting this way, he put literally put on a pound a week for twelve weeks straight which again, you know, his wife loved that. It looked a whole lot, you know, uh, healthier. Yeah. 12 and, pounds of
0: muscle you know, is a big difference.
1: It's for a frame like that. It's, it's massively different. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously strength gains like that when you're putting on muscle, it, it not only looks healthier, but you know, you feel healthier and everyday life is that much easier as well.
0: That's awesome. So I, I really like the story about that, uh, how old she, was she? 80-something? 80 82? 82, yeah, absolutely. That, that's incredible. Actually, this is kind of plants the seed for me, right? I just got to keep adjusting my training to my age because I've been training on it for a very long time. But uh, you're right. I mean, what you do to get the results you're getting changed, especially since um, as your training age goes up, you can't do the exact same thing you were doing when you were 20. It actually won't get you the same result. But if I can hit some maximal loads isometrically, uh, hopefully I can keep myself strong and uh, mobile. And uh, and still moving around, so that's kind of exciting for me.
1: and it really uh, Doctor, comes down to two major keys that people need to follow is one, you need a proper stimulus. You need mm-hmm. a massive load for the body- the body do- isn't gonna adapt when you're using a one pound dumbbell. It has no reason to get stronger, but when you do put that particular individual's highest load on, that's when the body is forced to adapt, and they really get those changes. But the second key is to recover, and a lot of people that have these very strict regimented lifting programs. They're lifting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And by definition, if you're truly getting stronger, you're going to need longer and longer to recover. And we just seem to have this idea in the strength training world that an 18-year-old is going to lift Monday, Wednesday, and Friday the same way that a type 2 diabetic who's got heart disease and any number of other health problems at 85 is still going to lift three times a week. And, you know, that's just not the case. You have to go based on their recovery capability and, you know, see the results from that perspective.
0: And I think that's what's kind of interesting, right? If you can get those gains without having to put so much load in a in a negative way and recover and essentially say you have to you have to do you can get away with more recovery because you're doing less, that's an interesting kind of paradigm to wrap your head around. I mean, it opens you up to some new possibilities.
1: Sure. And when you get that kind of stimulus to create that, that muscular gain, you also have to be careful you know, that you're not adding a second and third and fourth and fifth set, thinking that adding quantity is what's going to get you those benefits. Once you've given the nervous system the stimulus that it needs, you, you're better off just going home and recovering at that point. The more that you just keep doing that barrage of work, it's just going to make it harder and harder for you to recover from. And that can lead to, you know, ultimately, that, that burnout and you know having an athlete lose a season or more because of the kind of effects that it's having negatively on the hormones, getting sick, getting injured. And you know, how many athletes have you seen over the years that get to the most important part of their season and they're hurt and sick because they haven't recovered properly?
0: No, you're absolutely right. So, hey, listen, Dr. Montanero, you are the inventor of the Peak Fit Pro. This is actually a device that I own personally because, like, I'm a gym nut. For those who know me, uh, you guys know I love going to the gym, try to work out pretty sickly every day unless I'm traveling. Um, You invented this device. I believe it's absolutely incredible. I love using it and uh, and need need to be using it more, right? So I'm actually going to start structuring it more into my program, but it's been enjoyable what I've done with it. It's been interesting to see. Can you tell us about this device, and uh, how did it come about? Like, what's the deal?
1: Um, well, it, one really cool thing, it came about ultimately from the uh, original interview between Tony Robbins and Pete Sisco. I had the piece of equipment they had back then, um, and when I got into the Ironman World Championships, I actually consulted with Pete Sisco. I told him I've had the best strength gains of my life, uh, but I wanted to tailor it more specifically to ultra and distance Ironman racing uh, for the world championships. And uh, he, he said, you know, that's all great and well, but you can't use your machine. I was like, what are you talking about? I've had the best games I've ever had. I just can't put on 15 pounds of muscle and, and race something that's going to be 12 or 15 hours long. And he said, well, what we want to do ultimately is do the three-minute long isometric lifts, but the technology literally doesn't exist to even measure that. The, all the technology up until this point in time could do is just give you one number, your peak capability over you know whatever period of time that you're lifting. But if you're going to do something that's 10 seconds or 30 seconds or, in my case, three minutes long, having one piece of data over three minutes is kind of worthless in the grand scheme of structuring and tailoring your program for you and knowing when you're recovered and just how much gain that you're getting. So at that point, I had set out to actually create the technology. Um, Now we can measure isometrics with more objective data than has ever been available before, um, which has just opened up an incredible amount of capability both on the human performance side and endurance athlete training, um, as well as on the, the clinical side as well. You know, being able to do those three minute long lifts and doing something like a belt squat, I went from 26,000 pounds in three minutes to being able to, my most recent was 160,000 pounds in three minute period of time. Um, the, the peak weight, which we've always been able to measure, went from 420 pounds on upwards to 1,478 pounds. So, you know, huge gains both on the peak and on the endurance side. So, you know, certainly can be used from... Uh, and endurance point of view as well.
0: Can you, uh, Dr. Matanero, can you tell us more about the software? Because the software, you're kind of alluding into it now, but I think this is one of those things that uh, you have to really understand. And actually, before you even tell us more about the software, can you describe the device? I'll, I'll have to put a picture up on the website um, so people sure. we could see this. But can you describe it and then tell us more about the software? Because I think there's an incredible amount of value you get from the software that you, that you've created along with it.
1: There's a, a basic platform with uprights. Um, inside of it as a 5,000-pound load cell, and we've never had anybody come close to maxing that out yet. Um, because of the uprights, you can move the bar up and down if for just about any exercise that you can dream up. And we also have what I like to call the universal joint down in the bottom of the base, which allows for um, a belt squat as opposed to, you could still do a traditional squat, but as a chiropractor, I'm not really that fond of putting you know, over a thousand pounds of load on somebody's shoulder and their spine. Whereas a belt squat will actually create more of a, a, distraction of the spine. Um, so it opens up a whole nother host of different exercises. Anybody, anytime anybody is asked, can you do this exercise? Can you do that one? There's you know, easily always been a way to be able to figure that out, um, from the machine standpoint. And then from the, uh, what was the other question?
0: Well, just what it looks like and then the software side of things.
1: Oh, the software, yes. Um, So we set up the software so that you could have one or up to five people lifting at the same time. Um, It measures to the accuracy of the nearest hundredth of a pound. Um, So very, very accurate from that perspective. Uh, And there's two major ways that you can lift. You can lift based off of time and you can preset that to five seconds or 10, 30, 180 seconds. Uh, on upwards to whatever somebody is interested in, uh, or you can lift based off of performance and uh, so let 's say that you want to continue your lift until you 've dropped from sixty percent of a drop from your peak, so you lift and it 's registering constantly and let 's say that you hit a peak of a hundred pounds, and once you drop sixty percent of that, so you get to forty pounds that 's when it 's going to be the end of your lift. Uh, so you can go based off of performance and you can change that percentage of drop to any percentage that you'd like. Um, and then you graphically see the entire lift. It records everything, lets you know how much you've gone up, uh, both with your peak and your totals. You can go into the history and you could, you know, whether you're, you, you've you got a coach that you want to email all that data to, um, it's got a full capability of exporting all that information and, and sending it along to anybody, including myself, and I can help people certainly interpret their data and be able to better choose when the next time that they lift is going to be. And a lot of times with patients, I'll start off weekly with you know the A workout, next week out will be the B workout, and we'll keep alternating. But there will come a point in time if they don't improve on three of the five exercises, we need to start adding more time. Uh, I've even gotten to the point where I'll do my squat belt every eight weeks now, but continually go up in a, in a significant way every single time. Uh, which is very outside of the box thinking for a lot of people when they're so used to lifting multiple times a week and literally taking off eight weeks and setting new personal records every single time.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So, so to give people a visual, it's like you imagine this device that lets you do all these different exercises and then the software is actually on your phone. So you connect it via Bluetooth and that's where you get all this data. And I think one of the favorite things that you just described that I love is the fact that you go against performance. Because I believe in high quality training because of the set principle. You're going to adapt to exactly what you're doing. And if you're doing low quality training, low quality movement, your body's adapting to that. So to be able to say, hey, I want to hit a peak number and not have it drop a low short percentage. And if I do stop that exercise that I'm doing, you're actually doing higher-quality training only, which is what you want. You want to maintain a certain level of efficiency. Um, Absolutely. That's a beautiful thing that you can do. That's that's amazing, and there's not enough of that on the rehabilitative side and the human performance side.
1: That brings up another interesting point that a lot of people would say, you know, I'm not really feeling quite myself today. I'm going to have a light day in the gym, which is just so ridiculous from a, a quality standpoint their intensity load is going to be so low that the body is not even going to be able to want to make an adaptive change when they're going to have a lot lighter day like that. And if they're not feeling that great, then they obviously haven't recovered from whatever they've done previously. So, you know, that, that the idea of a light, a light day for somebody or using really extra light weights is just not going to create the yeah. kind of results Maybe that people should be are a hoping day. for. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, I totally get it. I totally. And that's why I like looking at things like HRV. We've we've had that topic on the on the podcast, on the show before as as ways to know when you should be training or doing your rehabilitation. Um, or as us as clinicians, that we should be able to look at our patients and assess the state of their autonomic nervous system with, with either HRV or part of a neurological examination say, hey, this is, maybe, you, maybe you should take today off and be recovering or maybe you'll be doing your rehab and today's a good day. You're going to do extra sets. So let's work a little harder in regards to whatever we're working on, whether it be Absolutely. brain-based rehab or even something like you know, we're strengthening back muscles to get people out of back pain.
1: I'd love to have one of those million-dollar machines when somebody is go doing an, a full-out isometric lift and just seeing how the brain is lighting up all over the place more than we've ever seen before, um, you know. And then you add in some other neurotherapies at the same time. They might be, you know, smelling some peppermint and looking in a certain direction, and you know, any number of other things that they could be stimulating to get a really pretty neat neurologic input into the body.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. Dr. Montaner, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I absolutely love what you created. Um, I know that uh, we're going to put some information about the PeakFit Pro on the website. Also, we're going to be using your device in the care, the upcoming Care Can Suit Human Performance Program. I know Dr. Kenneth Jay has uh, been leveraging isometrics on your device for a while. So I'm, curi- I'm curious to see how he's going to put this all together for our scholars there. And speaking with you has reignited my passion for this again. I, I recently had a baby. That's what made me drop off for a little bit. When I just bought the device, I, the baby wasn't born. And then, of course, she, she comes into the world. And I've been distracted from from my usual uh, training. But uh, I'm going to get back into it. I can't wait to see the gains I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience. Where can we learn more about you or the PeakFit Pro, Dr. Montanero?
1: Absolutely. Right at peakfitpro.com backslash Carrick. Um, we've got plenty of information for the, the Carrick scholars there. And I also know that you had mentioned having it on the, uh, Carrick store as well. They'll have direct links in there.
0: Yeah. We're getting, we're trying to get a bunch of good clinical tools that we feel our doctors and our coaches can benefit from. And, 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 you, you built an incredible device and, uh, very unique and it definitely has its place on the rehabilitative and performance side of things. So I want to thank, thank you for coming on the show and uh, sharing in your experience And uh, we'll see what everybody thinks of the podcast. And if they have more questions, we'll have them reach out to you. We'll have to bring you back on the show. How does that sound?
1: Sounds great. I look forward to it. Thank you so Um, much.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Dr. Montano. Have a great day. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to make any suggestions for any future podcast topics, please visit the Contact Us page on CarrickInstitute.com.